20s get off to a winning start and more history for Wales women. Welcome to the Principality Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Wales beat hosts Argentina in the World Rugby Under-20s Championships. Captain Barry Lake says they did well to resist the pressure from the crowd. With them in their first one World Cup, it was, it was always going to be a hostile environment. With them scoring our first try, we felt the lift in the crowd. Welsh referee Craig Evans says it's great to see former players taking up the whistle. A lot of players have come into it, have been professionals, so they, they know what refereeing is like or how they've been refereed. And I think, yeah, they can add something and come and give her a go and see what you can do. Well, Wales women will make history by playing the Barbarians for the first time in November. Outside half Eleanor Snowsall played in the famous black and white hoops. Achieve a dream that we didn't realise we had because growing up there was no women's barbarians. So putting on the shirt, especially the tan shirt, it just it means so much to me. That's quite a story coming up later. But we'll start out in Argentina, where it was an incredibly exciting game for Wales under 20s against the hosts. But they came through it, a narrow win. Outside half, Kai Evans starring with the boot. After the game, Graham Gillespie spoke to captain Dowie Lake. Dowie, how relieved were you at the final whistle? Yeah, uh, very relieved. <clears throat> I think there's a couple of videos floating about already. The reaction from the bench of the final whistle. And that's what it means. It's, it is a full team performance. So whether you start, whether you come off the bench, it is 1-28 to 28 out here. It's a, it's a long old tournament and it does mean everything. Now going into the match, Gareth Williams, the head coach, said you've got to go in there and quieten that crowd. That's easier said than done over here, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, we've said a couple of times it's a very passionate country. And I think with, with them in their first home World Cup, it was, it was always going to be a hostile environment. With them scoring that first try, we felt the lift in the crowd. And every time anything happened in their favour, it was a, a big lift in the crowd. You know, the message was to just keep level heads and just to keep the scoreboard ticking over and that eventually our chances would come. And they did, and we took them. And I think that's, that's why we won today. And how important was it to go in at half-time just edging ahead? Yeah, it's always big, big momentum swing of how that discussion goes at half-time, whether we're ahead by a point or by 20 points. It was big for us to be going in at half-time, especially after a very tough first half, playing against the wind as well. So, yeah, it was it was big relief for us to be going in up. In a game like that, when it is tight, it's always pretty good when you've got a reliable kicker like Kai Evans to keep knocking those three points over as well, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. We can't fault Kai at all. His book is one of the best in the world of this age, I'd say. And for me as a captain, knowing I've got Kai, if I need to take three points, is, is huge. Kicked one from 50 metres today. Probably could have kicked the one from 60 metres if he wanted to. So, you know, it's a, it gives a massive boost in confidence to the whole team, knowing that any penalty we've got, you know, is kickable for us. Now, they're trialling a, a new system this year where you can name virtually the higher squad on the bench. How important is it for you guys? Because you've got strength and depth right across the board, so basically someone that's replacing someone is equal ability. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, you look back to that Italy game in Six Nations uh, where I mentioned that, that strength and depth, scoring three tries in both halves. I think it really showed today is that, you know, we had a couple of injuries early on and a couple of boys stepping in quite early and there was no difference. We saw the talent that we have on the bench and the strength and depth that we do have in this team. And like I said earlier, this is a long competition. So it's going to be 1-28. to 28. It's going to be everyone involved. And um, it's, really, it's really pleasing knowing that the boys off the bench are 
keeping the standards high as soon as they hit the field. In the first half, were you getting concerned at, at one stage because it seemed every time a high ball went up, one of our boys came off second best and got injured? Yeah, I think um, not so much concerned, more disappointed. I think there were a couple of calls there that could have gone either way. But any time things like that happen, when boys have got to leave the field, it's, it's sad to see. But the one thing we said early on is that we were going to play as a team and that anything that happened, we were a team. That's including the boys who have to come on in situations like that. And the boys really done that today. And what was it like watching those last few moments from the bench? Oh, it was nerve-wracking. It was nerve-wracking. A couple of penalties, they weighed towards the end in the last two minutes. Every time you thought the boys were out of trouble, they looked like Argentino sneaking forward again and sneaking forward again. And they kicked to the corner and that's when the real nerves started setting in but you know I don't think there was ever any doubt that the boys could hold good defensive line and, and see the game out and uh, it was massive for us to win the game and I suppose the sheer relief was shown after the game where all you guys were hugging each other embracing each other because it meant that's so much to you yeah definitely and I think it's got to mean that much it has to mean that much to everybody who takes the field glad that it does but yeah you can definitely see the happiness and the relief that uh, we were able to hold out and get the first win of, of this competition. So next up, France? Yeah, definitely. We know they're the reigning champions and we saw what they could do during the Six Nations. We've spoken about them a lot, but I think it's important that we focus on ourselves and what we can do as well. And um, yeah, looking forward to it. In the aftermath of the game, it was also a chance to find out a bit more about one of the players, centre Max Llewellyn, son of former Wales lock Gareth. He too spoke to Graham Gillespie. So Max, if you could just start with your season before you got here, what did you play, where did you play, etc.? You know, initially I started with the uh, A-League down the Cardiff Blues and then from there I went into the uh, Cardiff RFC setter and then from that into this. It wasn't so long ago you were playing in the Principality Stadium Cup final day, what was that like? Yeah, that was great, you know, a really good experience and it wasn't my first time playing there, you know, especially at that level, it was really good to play there and be back in there. Have you played there before at school or anything like that? Yeah, I played there before my school uh, in Welsh Cup final and then also with Cardiff schools. Obviously, you've got a, a famous father. What sort of influence has he been on your career up to this point? He's been great, really. Like, you know, everything I tend to know just comes from him. He likes to debrief all my games with me. Like, he, even if my game's on TV, as soon as you come home, he's there watching it and he, he just, like, show me some clips and think what, what he thinks I can do better and what he thinks I did well. I mean, some kids might think it's a burden having a famous father as a player or something, but have you enjoyed that sort of thing? Or do you know what I mean? Yeah, I've definitely enjoyed it, really. I, I've never really felt it to be something bad. I've yeah. always really enjoyed it because... Yeah. Um, like even today when I like analyse stuff in a game or in training and then I realise it's always come from something that he's taught me. Just going back to the cup final at the Prince Philip Stadium, does Steve Law know something that we don't? Because he put you on the wing, didn't he? Didn't he? Yeah, well... Um, you got some gas that... Uh, oh, that mate, I don't know about the gas. <laughs> and I think initially, you know, there was talks of me being in centre, but then especially with injuries and... I'd just come back into the squad from being at the 20s and obviously I was going away after it so I think it was a bit, you know, unfair for me to go straight in centre, especially with the likes of like Wilbur's Holland Bear who were playing you know, really well at the time. Yeah, and going back to the Six Nations, as you mentioned, it was quite a, a frustrating time for you, was it? Coming in and out of the squad like that? Yeah, it was initially, but like as soon as I kind of got in and settled down, you know, I was really happy just kind of be back involved. In, uh, yeah. And so uh, out here today we've got a famous win against Argentina. You're probably on the pitch a bit earlier than you anticipated. Uh, what do you make of it? 
Um, oh, it was great really, especially because I came out last year and we ended up playing Argentina and we couldn't manage to get a win, so it was nice to come out this year. I did, yeah, I did come on really unexpected, but it was just great performance from everyone. And so what's it like starting the game from the bench? Are you sort of like, not tense or nervous, but just desperate to get on there so you can make your point or have to wait for that moment to get up, show the coaches that, you know, I want to start next time? Or? Yeah, I'd probably say I get more nervous on the bench. Because you, you never know when you're going to go on. Like today yeah. came on after two minutes or whatever, but you could come on after like the 72nd minute. So you're always anxious there, waiting on the edge of your seat, just wondering when and uh, what time you'll be coming on. So coming out here, did you have any uh, personal ambitions? Not necessarily really. I think my personal ambition was just kind of get selected initially for the squad. Mm. And then going into next season, now I'll probably set my some more goals for myself, Reset. process everything. I've talked to Dowie Lake quite a lot about the strength and depth. Do you think this is one of the stronger under-20 sides you've been involved with? Yeah, it is. It's definitely you know a really strong side, and we do have a lot of depth, uh, you know, in many positions. And also is the fact of uh, everyone you know seems so close together, and it's a really compact, tight squad. And do you think that maybe helped you get over the line today? Yeah, definitely. You know, everyone's w- willing to work for each other, and like obviously the hard work we did in uh, the camp leading up to this. So everyone just wants to complement each other and get the win. Yeah, so like they've brought in this new system where all the replacements are basically named on the bench. We talk about the strength and depth. That's got to be good for a squad like Wales, isn't it? Because you really are replacing like for like. There's, there's strength and depth in every position. Yeah, I know. No, it is really good for us as well, because especially with what happens in the game regards to injuries and stuff like that, we can adapt and bring on you know whoever that's needed to be to fill that position. And how important was it for you guys to get a win at first up? I think it's definitely you know, really important. We need to get our campaign off to a good start and get it going. And you know, this is the best way to do it against Argentina. And it gives us confidence now going into France and hopefully get performance there. And what was it like playing in front of that passionate crowd today? Oh, it was really good actually, you know. They were quite loud and like, no, they, to be fair, it was a good crowd. But I noticed there was a little pocket of Welsh fans in the corner as well, so they were making their presence felt. Yeah, no, there was quite a bit of support going on. You could hear them every time, you know, we scored points or something like that, we could hear them screaming. So it was really nice to have the support over here, even though it's so far away. So do you think you can do a job against France? Definitely. Yeah, I do think we can. Please play our game and just not get sucked into what they're good at. listening to the Principality Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Away from the Wales scene, Welsh referee Craig Evans is also out in Argentina after a stint in the World 7 series. He too spoke to Graham Gillespie. You looking forward to coming back into the 15 side of things for a World Cup? Oh yeah, can't wait. You know, we've got Paris and London this, this weekend, but um, I come off for them for this tournament and it's, it's exciting. I love the 15s, always a good spirit of rugby with the 20s as well. It really really positive in playing and from a different point of view is look after 2016 Junior World Cup I had the option or the opportunity to go to the Sevens World Series and I was really in two minds between look am I going to go do some Sevens which will take me away from mm. 15s or am I going to focus on 15s and see what I can do but like I wouldn't change anything I'd be lying if I said I wish I could do more Pro 14 games, but I've also got to be realistic in myself that I can't be coming back for New Zealand, Australia on a Tuesday yeah, yeah, yeah. and then going to do like a, a Leinster or something on a weekend or yeah. a Pro 14 game because the two different games, getting over the jet lag and stuff like that, it's not so much the physical fitness, I'm, I physically can go, but it's mentally getting over the jet lag and mentally being sharp enough to give the Pro 14 what it needs and what's expected. So, like the last three years, I've done 17 tournaments on the sevens potentially could do another 
eight to ten next year, hopefully to build up the Olympics. I'll probably knock Simons on the head then. We'll reassess the then or something like that. Yeah, reassess. I won't yeah. go probably any longer. I've done four years and in my opinion, if I'm lucky enough to go to the Olympics next year, then I can't do anything more in three years. Yeah. I've done the Commies, done the World Cup and the Olympics, so then instead of trying to juggle a ball, yeah, which, yeah, which yeah. has been very difficult, um, I've enjoyed the challenge. But it's been very difficult and it's obviously hindered some opportunities because of where I've been on certain times. Then I just go fully 100 mile an hour into the 15s and see what I can do. And you know, when you've got Nigel achieving what he have, I don't want to say I'll be the next Nigel Owens because you've got to be yourself. If I can achieve 10% of the yeah. Nigel have, then that's what I mean is I want to be the next Nigel Owens. Yeah, so you and Nigel are sort of opposite spectrums of the careers you're just He's starting at. Just trying to be gentle. <laughs> what sort of role model has he been to you? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. He's the one who spotted me years ago in an Edith Sevens tournament. He helped me through the early days with Division 6 and all. I come to watch games. Mm. He came to watch the Division 6 game before where he came straight from the plane after an Ulster game straight down to, I think it was Nankaradik to come and watch the game. That was that. He's been instrumental. I then the phone, email, meet for a coffee, go through games. He'll wish me luck for certain things. He's, he's been a massive role model and even though he's achieved all he have in the games with like six European finals, six Pro 14 finals, he's still got that desire. But he never mentions those, does he? No, he always mentions that he's 48 and that's how he's always behind me in the fitness. I think he's been 48 for the last 10 years. But the thing is, then, if we do fitness sessions, like as soon as last week, we finish a fitness session, he asks, can he do extra, an extra round of the last block we've done? And for someone that's done everything, it's quite remarkable and motivating to see the, the passion he still has. He doesn't want to go to this World Cup and just be a part of it. He wants to go and get the highest game he can. And same as you, I've obviously done a lot of sevens. I haven't come here just for three and a half weeks in Argentina. I've come here to see what I can do, enjoy it, learn. But ultimately, if everyone said they weren't going to come here and try and do the best they can, then you shouldn't be coming here. You yourself, you're quite young. Would you recommend someone who is still playing but maybe not enjoying it or something, maybe give refereeing a go? Yeah, well, prime example of that is my brother. Actually, yeah, five years ago, he was in the end of 20s. They got the final in, in France, in the 20s in France, where unfortunately lost to England. He scored two tries, but... He finished rugby because of work probably about 12 weeks ago. It's more the case of he just can't commit to a semi-pro team given the new duty manager job he got. Mm. And I asked him, look, are you missing rugby on a Saturday? He said, not really. He said, I just can't risk getting an injury with what I'm doing. I said, oh, come refereeing then. And uh, he was like, no, he didn't want to. But I know a lot of players who have played and come into refereeing. And mm. yeah, look, they've got a, obviously got a feel for a game. A lot of players that come into it have been professionals. So they've... They know what refereeing is like or how they've been refereed. And I think, yeah, they can add something. And look, there's always a shortage of referees. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what the background is, just come and give it a go and see what you can do. Obviously, must be working with the programme because you've got us like Jonathan Edwards, for instance, and guys like that coming through now as well. Yeah, Adam Hughes as yeah, well. Hughes. Ricky Davis, who ex-prop of the Scarlet. So, yeah, look, it's something enticing. And they're seeing something in it. And I think it's because they're obviously professional sport has been such a massive part of their life that they couldn't just completely cut ties yeah. with the game. So they've given their go at something else. And it's, so far, funny enough, Adam and Ricky was part of the development group that I helped look after with um, Sean Brickley. We meet a few times a year, do uh, CPD stuff and fitness sessions, we six, seven times. And, and I believe both of them boys are going into level three next year, so yeah. I won't see them. So it's working then, the system's working? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Back home, there'll be history when Wales women take on the Barbarians in a double header with the men in November. Outside half, Eleanor Snowsill has just come back from playing for the Barbarians in America and England. So, how did that come about? 
After I received my 50th cap against Italy in the Six Nations, uh, I got a message on Twitter from Fiona Stockley, who's the team manager, just saying, you know, we want you involved in the Barbarians. There's a trip against USA. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's incredible, 100% yes. You know, I never thought that I would have the opportunity to represent the Barbarians. And I was just really, really excited for it. So we went over to USA. It was a brilliant experience. It was a whirlwind. We were only there for about three days. Managed to win as well, which was even better. But just the whole opportunity just sort of made me really love rugby again you know it just sort of reminds you of why you do it and to meet all those people and learn off everyone being coached by Anna Richards she's been kind of my hero growing up I watched her beat England in the 2010 World Cup final when I was about 19 year old with three caps and I thought I've got to learn off her somehow and it's taken me nine years but I, but I finally managed it so yes that's been really good and then the day after the game against USA she sat me down with stockers and said we want you to play England and I was like yes 100% so yeah another brilliant week with another amazing group of girls putting on that shirt you're wearing it now it's uh, it's one of the moments of validation for many players whether they have or they haven't played for the Barbarians it was a big 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 deal you must have thought the opportunity was never going to come so to be wearing the shirt that you've got on now what did that feel like when you first put it on yeah I think stockers has just made us all achieve a dream that we didn't realize we had because growing up there was no women's barbarians I just used to love watching the men's love watching the games and I just think that must be amazing to be a part of but never I want to be a part of it because I just didn't think it would happen so putting on the shirt, you know, especially the 10 shirt, it just it means so much to me. I think just them saying, you know, we, we trust you in this position and we, you know, we want you to lead the ship and, and to sort of lead the attack and stuff, it was really, really good and, yeah, just incredible. So moving on to that game at Twickenham, it felt like a big event. Not just a match of rugby, but a big occasion. Describe what it was like to be part of it. Yeah, it was just so much more than just the game. I don't know. I don't know. There was a lot of build-up to it. There was a lot of media around it. Um, but for us, it's just a chance to make history, really. You know, the, the second ever international match for the Barbarians and, and the first time that we've been in a doubleheader with the men. Everything about it was just like a first time or historic or, you know, just, just incredible. So you're right, it was much more than just the match. And playing against a team like England really validates the Barbarians and, and shows how relevant it is in today's game. And a week together in camp, mixing with the male Barbarian side, just describe what the week was like. Yeah, the week was brilliant. We had a couple of meetups with the boys, skinned them in touch rugby, <laughs> which was really good. So we had a couple of nights, a couple of drinks with them here and there, but we were staying in the same place. We were back in Richmond, which was quite nice to be out of the centre of London. And uh, we'd always sort of maybe go to training the next day and hear that they'd been up till four in the morning. I don't think I'd be able to cope with training twice the next day if I was up till that late. But no, just being in camp, you just get to know people so much better. Someone, for example, like Sene Naupu, who plays centre for Ireland, I've played against her for years and always had this sort of image of her in my mind. And, you know, she's a brilliant player, always sort of feared playing against her. And then to get on the pitch next to her and she's like, mate, you're a brilliant 10, I love playing outside you. And, oh, you're, you know, and she's the nicest person you, you would ever meet. So to get to be friends with people that, you know, you normally play against and, you know, technically are, are enemies of, of you is just, just incredible because after the game, you get the chance to kind of have a chat, but you don't get the chance to know them and really get, get to be friends with them. So that was brilliant.
And just in terms of the game itself, England didn't exactly enter into the barbarian spirit, did they? <laughs> they didn't, did they? That's oh, typical England, isn't it? <laughs> just really focusing on, yeah, I guess they've got a tour to prepare for, so they want to stick to their game plan and their structure. <laughs> their set piece was just incredible, and I think that's where they really won the game. I said, I said, actually said before the game, it's the forwards who are going to decide this. And you can say that about some games, but it really was true for this game. Um, our forwards were just, I think, it really took it out of them and then we didn't have them so much around the park and when you've got a defence as strong as England you need those big carries to be able to release the backs and I think that's where we struggled a little bit. In the second half we definitely came into our own, got our game going and you know scored some nice tries but I'm gutted I didn't get the chance to do another another penalty move, another trick but I'll save that one. So for, what do you have We had two incredible penalty moves lined up. One that the scrum half had come up with which is something... I don't think you would have ever seen in a rugby match before. It was really innovative, but I'm not going to give it away because I'm sure the Barbarians will bring it in next time they play against Wales. Which brings me on to, you've got your 50th cap, obviously, in the last six yeah. nations. Haven't retired from, from Wales, but which side are you going to be playing for in this one? Do you you've, got, you've got to ask Roland that, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, I'd, I just want to be on the pitch, whoever I'm playing for. I'd love to play for Wales in the Principality Stadium because I've only done it once before, so that would be brilliant. But if I'm not, then, uh, again, it would be a huge honour to be selected for the Barbarians. So whichever one, I would be thrilled to just be involved with the game. So that's it for this week's Principality Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Next week, and until then, goodbye.